The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. Hey, joining us, Ann Davison. We've had the privilege of having her here on the show before, prior to the primary. And now she uh, made her way through the primaries onto the general election against Nicole Thomas Kennedy in the race for Seattle City Attorney, which is now making national news. Uh, Nicole Thomas Kennedy, as I said earlier, she has had some interesting thoughts about um, fires and vandalism we'll maybe get into a little bit of that here but it's always great to have ann with us and welcome back to the program it's so good to talk to you tim and how are you doing fantastic tim doing fantastic so let's um let, let's let's talk i mean this there's a lot going on um there, as i said there's this race you're in is now making national news so that's uh that's something it, there's a lot of folks of course talking about your opponent Nicole Thomas Kennedy uh, earlier before we had John, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of the things that she mentioned about supporting arson and vandalism, things like that. Um, where, where give us the, give us the lay of the land right now. Where are things at? Obviously we've got the general election coming up in about five weeks, beginning of November. Where, where do you see things at right now? Well, this is a, really critical time for the future of Seattle. Um, I do see that this is uh, a race that uh, everybody, uh, every woman, man, child, whether you live, work, or visit Seattle, uh, needs to pay attention to what's happening in this race because it will impact the quality of life in every sector of Seattle in regards to safety and uh, and being able to have our city just well-managed and functioning. Uh, so when we're talking about a crime that's occurring uh, and whether people are going to feel safe uh, and be able to be productive and contribute and help our neighbors and take care of people in need uh, and have us flourish as a city. So it's a critical, critical race. Yeah, and are, is there any? I mean, obviously, the primary was was close, right? I mean, it was a tight it was a tight race. Do you expect a uh, a close general election? I think that when you look at, for example, what's happening down in San Francisco, when they are a progressive city uh, with a lot of uh, compassion as well, just like we are up here in Seattle, and they are battling retail theft uh, in astronomical numbers, similar to what we are having here in Seattle. And their mayor is saying, you know, look, you know, we can have, of course, we're going to welcome second chances, and we want to talk about criminal justice reform. Uh, but, you know, don't mistake the kindness uh, for weakness. And uh, so I think that when you're talking about the recovery of Seattle and its future uh, and making sure people can get to work, get to school, get to the parks, uh, get from point A to point B, get to the, our great arts and culture and nightlife, uh, it, it's not going to not going to be like that because we we want to make sure we're talking about the future of Seattle and its recovery. Um, and we can be a progressive, compassion city. Uh, but that means that we take things seriously and our laws mean something and we can do it in a balanced way. Mm. I was glad to see a former Washington governor who also is on my advisory board of Together Washington, who I was actually with yesterday. We had a great time. We were doing a little interview. Dan Evans uh, endorsed you. That's exciting. 
He is uh, such a great leader, and hopefully uh, your listeners know of his history and his uh, helping refugees come to Washington State uh, during the Vietnam War era and welcoming people that are needing a place to to make a home. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of person I um, totally look up to. Very, very, very honored to have that. Yeah. How, what, what was that like to uh, talk to Governor Evans and, and ask for his endorsement? What was that process like? Well, he's been such so, someone I call frequently. It's quite uh, astounding when I'm I'm just put myself as a regular mom just trying to make an impact for my city that my kids are growing up in, and to be able to have conversations with someone uh, that has really led our state in uh, progressive ways uh, in the past. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they were not forward thinking at the time, and that they're not instrumental in how we we look at our state now, and, and particularly in regards to environmental policies. Uh, many of those were set by him. Uh, it's it's just tremendous because that wealth of experience uh, of navigating uh, difficult issues, having conversations with people, and, and building bridges across what would seem like chasms of disagreement uh, between groups of people or individuals. And he's someone who navigated that so skillfully and masterfully to just listen to, to him uh, has been uh, just a tremendous gift that I've been able to to have. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, I was talking to a friend earlier today and uh, told them that you were going to be on the show. And, you know, they said, you know, I am I'm interested in learning more about Anne. I'd heard, you know, they said, hey, I'd heard from friends that maybe she was a little too far one way. But then she, they, he said that he listened to one of your, I don't know if it was a, I don't know what he listened to, if it was a interview or what it was, but he said he was impressed with your uh, control of the issues and your thoughtfulness for what you think Seattle needs. And I think, you know, there's um, in this race, it you know, I think it's easy to, you know, have a lot of generalizations about things and, and paint someone in a particular way. But then actually when you get down to the bolts and nuts of it, you start to see uh, how important this is and, you know, what what the thoughts are. And so if you were, what would you say to someone like my friend who was like, oh yeah, I heard some people say this and, and, you know, they try to generalize, you know, something, but then when you get, you know, if you had five minutes with someone to, to really share what your, your platform is, what do you say? First, thanks for the opportunity to listen to me uh, because, you know, we all, all our time is precious, and we only have so much of it. So, for someone to take some time to listen to my thoughts uh, is really important. And and a lot of what I have to say has been gathered from listening to other people speak and spending my time listening to uh, residents and workers and visitors that come all through Seattle from the north end to the south end about what we're experiencing for for the last many years. And really, you know, the guiding thing that people should know about me really is balance. That's really what I focus on a lot, just as a person. Um, and so when, when you can sense socially that some things are uh, imbalanced, you can, we all start to kind of see it. And it may not be that we can identify it necessarily quickly, but that's what, what we're all kind of sensing. And right now, it's, it's about safety. That is one of the, the main things we have to talk about is a balanced approach to safety because everyone deserves that. 
Uh, that is a, a thing, whether someone's sheltered or unsheltered, no matter what sector you are in Seattle, everyone should have that type of quality of life where safety um, is, is something that, that you get to have in your city of Seattle. Um, I also, you know, when we're talking about accountability, that's across the board. We have to have accountability for all of us. We need to be doing our part, whether that's to get rid of implicit bias or whether that is to talk about someone who's committed a crime or whether that's someone who has chosen an occupation of law enforcement and then there's a, an act that needs to be uh, looked at that has not been something that we had, we hold to the standards of our law of how that should be conducted. We need to have that for all of us, because I think we're going to function better and be individuals contributing to, to the betterment of our city. You know, and then the following with that is transparency. I really do come to, to politics of being as open of a person individually, personally as I can, because that's we're just going to get more work done when we can be honest and straightforward with, with each other and talk about and I, correctly identifying the problem. Because when we talk about what is the problem that is occurring, we can really come together with an active solution uh, and then be honest and see, is it working? Is it not working? And if it's not, then let's move on. But to have the transparency there, the, the, the data collection so that, this, that the public can see in regards to the city attorney's office, what is being done there? What is it? What's happening? How are we seeing improvement? Where is the disconnect right now for public safety? That is what I think we're all out here in the public trying to discern. Uh, and I want to help bring that forward for us. With me today is Ann Davison, candidate for Seattle City Attorney. She made it through the primary, now on to the general election against Nicole Thomas-Kennedy coming up here at the beginning of November. It's a very significant, significant race. I mean, our current city attorney, Pete Holmes, uh, you know, he didn't make it through the primary. And he, uh, even though he was a, what, three-time, four-time incumbent, uh, what we're seeing in Seattle right now where we're essentially, you know, a lawless city in a lot of ways we're not prosecuting uh misdemeanors or some felonies i mean they're, we're just kind of letting things just hey whatever goes goes and so i think there's a we're at a inflection point and and you're running against nicole thomas kennedy why don't you share a few things like some of the key uh you know differences between the two of you your opponent yes so people uh, need to know she does describe herself as an abolitionist uh and as i've heard her describe that means she wants to abolish the police prosecution of um almost all misdemeanor crimes and uh and and into jails uh so abolish all of those uh and and she wants to divert uh almost all the money for the criminal division into services and to shrink uh municipal court as much as possible so that, that there's not uh any any way that we're handling crime uh, other than services. And, and do you, uh, and do you think that's, po- if, if she won, do you think that would be possible for her to do? I mean, just frankly, I mean, could she actually follow through with some of the things that she's talking about? Um, she can in regards to not prosecuting most misdemeanors. She can't in regards to budgetary items at the council, but she can stop uh, prosecuting. And so what we have right now is a, a taste of what would be to come, uh, and it would be much more severe. 
uh, if, if my opponent were to win. Uh, so in practical terms for people in Seattle, they really need to understand what that means. When we're talking about misdemeanors, which she likes to call as quote-unquote low-level, um, which she has also, as you mentioned earlier, kind of glorified property destruction, which frankly, I mean, you know, maybe you can say that, but boy, when it's, when it's your property, right, when it's your store, when it's, uh, when, you know, it's something that, that belongs to you or when it's your home that, that someone broke into, it, it matters. These misdemeanors can include things like assault. You can think about punching someone in the face once or repeatedly. That's a misdemeanor. Assault with sexual motivation. Assault in regards to domestic violence. Uh, harassment. A violation of a no-contact order in regards to domestic violence, uh, menacing, discharging of a firearm. These are all misdemeanors. Uh, and she has said categorically she she does not want to prosecute almost all misdemeanors. I'm not quite sure about what type of utopia she's envisioning, but I don't see anywhere that this is uh, practical uh, at all in regards to the future of Seattle. Um, and so it, is, it really is serious that we are talking about it in a way that's balanced, that is talking about the victims of crime. Uh, I will be talking about that all the time and making sure that when I'm in office, that is something that we balance in a way that we have not been talking about uh, in the city uh, in regards to crime and, and what is happening with the, the trauma and the harm that is caused to a victim of crime. Because as we talk about trauma has uh, then probably one of those underlying issues as to why someone is communicating by committing a crime in the first place, we certainly don't need to be creating a, a city where we're going to be having more trauma uh, by more crime be occurring. So uh, that's really the, the, the stark difference that, that every one of your listeners needs to understand, and, and you need to really not understand much more. That's that's it. That That's the difference. Mm. You know, I, I saw a, a tweet, or at least Pedro gave me a piece of paper that – had a purported tweet from her on it and i was like this can't you know i was like this can't be real um like one of them was uh, after seattle police had tweeted that someone had set off an explosive at the seattle police precinct she tweeted this person who set off an explosive said this person is a hero um now i was just like that's not is that made up? Is that real? I, I mean, you, you. I tend to always want to give someone the benefit of the doubt, but uh, from what I've seen and heard, that sounds, uh, you know, along the lines of what she said. Uh, and so that seems to be her approach, and she does not seem to equivocate from it. Uh, and so that's why your listeners do need to be informed that, to all intents and purposes, that is the plan, that is the approach, and she would intend to carry that forward if she were elected. Uh, so it is between her and me on November 2nd. I mean, isn't isn't that illegal to uh, endorse violence like that? Uh, well, inciting violence is certainly something that we have some laws around. Uh, again, our laws are a reflection of our values of society. And so you can you can think about that and decide is that kind of the the, the value that we want to have. Uh, a prosecutor is is allowed to have some discretion, and so uh, would you want that to be the person that thinks the discretion is we should be uh, looking for for more chaos and more disorder and more lawlessness uh, for the city of Seattle uh, instead of trying to make it a way where we're flourishing as a city, productive recovering from COVID, uh, recovery, uh, getting getting people, you know, into help, uh, on and on and on. Uh, you can kind of 
really clearly see the two different pictures of the future of Seattle uh, if she were to win and if I were to win. Mm. And I, I would ask you, and I, and I think, you know, we've gone on the record here, Anne, uh, here on the show. Uh, and of course, as you know, um, there's a, a little ad that says that uh, the station and its supporters and advertisers, you know, don't, they, they can't support what I say, but um, I am voting for you and endorsing you. So I, I hope that you win. Mm. I'm going out um, on a, you know, I'm, I, I don't do that often, um, but I'm doing that in this. And so I, I truly hope that you do well and win. I think I'm kind of curious if, if and I think you're going to win on day one, that first day, that first week. What does that look like for you? What are you going to be doing? What are the first like two or three things that you're going to do? Well, the first thing is is talking to the people who are actually doing this work. I mean, we have prosecutors there. I talked to one the other day uh, that has worked in the domestic violence unit. Again, this is those are misdemeanor crimes, some of the, some domestic violence issues, and my opponent does not want to prosecute most misdemeanor crimes, which would include domestic violence. Uh, and so when I'm talking to a prosecutor who's in there, she referred to herself as a murder prevention attorney because that's truly what, what she's doing because there are lethality factors when we're, in regards to domestic violence when you're looking at those situations. And I have heard my opponent talk about how it, it you know, oh, well, no contact orders. Oh, we're taking away housing. We're taking away this. My goodness. I mean, I've been involved in helping someone create an exit plan. That's a severe situation. Uh, day one is talking to people who have been doing this work, who committed their life's work to making sure that victims of crime get justice and to help prevent future victims of crime from even having to experience, you know, uh, some harmful act. Um, it is not their purpose is to put someone in jail for as long as possible. Uh, that is not what any of them that I've talked to seek to do. It is, it is to intervene. It is a place to provide intervention earlier before there's an increase in severity or frequency in someone's behavior or acts uh, and, to, and to center the victims of crime. So day one, it really is providing continuity for the city because public safety has got to be uh, our first first goal as a city. And that involves making sure that the work is being done in a way that's effective and efficient for us uh, and, and, and making sure the team within the law department that I would oversee that on the civil side and the criminal side, that they understand and we are in this together. We are going to do the work for the city of Seattle. We are there for public service, and we're going to get to work. All of us, you know, we, we've had experiences and influences that have brought us to the places that we are uh, today. And maybe let's go back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your growing up and, and some of the influences and people that inspired you to bring you to this point today. Tim, you always ask such great questions. I really just enjoy speaking with you because of it. I mean, I, I grew up in Texas. I, I'm adopted. I was born to a 19-year-old uh, young woman who gave me up for adoption. So I was thankful that I got to go through foster care briefly and, and be adopted to my parents. And so random with that, grew up in Dallas, Texas. Um, and, and so those are, those are people that obviously impacted my life. They've provided for me support, education. I have capacity and capability today because of them. 
Um, and, and that is, is significant for me because that's where I saw a source of service from the two of them. Uh, and, and I had the wherewithal to be able to, to give back like I am now because of that. Um, it, working uh, alongside a lot of homeless people and people coming out of incarceration during my college years was really instrumental to me. Uh, I have always been focused on going to places where uh, everyone else is kind of fleeing, which really becomes the margins where, where people that are pushed to our literal societal margins go. Uh, and often when, when people are looking to leave, there's always people who cannot leave, uh, whether that's for financial uh, means or physical means, but there's always our most vulnerable that are left behind when everyone else is leaving. So I felt drawn to uh, crisis relief, disaster relief, working with refugees, and so spent some time in a refugee camp on the border of Cambodia where people were fleeing civil war and uh, wow. was really wanting to be involved there when they were writing their constitution mm. um, in, in the 90s as they were coming out of a very dark time for their country. Um, and, and that's kind of where I've been. I, I took a detour through professional sports just uh you know because it was a it was placed before me and and i followed through different different avenues and uh, made it over to to seattle but my heart has always been involved in in those types of places uh in the service place in the in the again the place that's pushed to the margin where where people are left and often overlooked and ignored um and and that's kind of you know the the pivotal part for me of why i am looking at this i i I shared with you last time when i was on air but for people that didn't hear i really do approach politics as being an open book and uh got into this race the day decided the day before filing at the deathbed of my birth mother um while my adoptive mom's in hospice uh because uh you know Sure, it's not personally convenient or comfortable, but it's absolutely the right thing for our city. And uh, we all need to make sure we're doing our part because uh, it's not going to always be easy or comfortable, but we have to do it. Uh, and our city right now is crying out for healing. And that means if, if it's you know on your shoulders to be a part of that, then you need to do your part. That might be you know a larger scale thing, uh, like what I'm trying to, to do and be impactful in the way that I can use my skill set. But it also means all of us individually in personal relationships and, and to heal uh, so we, we can overcome um, the harms that have been done within our city. We've gone through a lot over pandemic and, and last summer, and it's time to make sure we are really focusing our energy and conversation in a productive and healing and uh, humane and caring way uh, and not being destructive, just constructive. What do you make of what's going on at the border right now, you know, in, in our country? Obviously, it's heartbreaking to see these images. Of course, a lot of uh, Haitian migrants who, who, who left during, you know, even years ago during the, the big earthquake 10 years ago and, you know, found their way back here at our border. I mean, what... What do you make of everything going on? It's obviously very complicated and layered, but what do you make of it? Yeah, complicated and layered. That that is a very uh, accurate description. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of turmoil that um, I think we are. It's hard to look at because you want to look at every individual story, and then you also need to look at kind of, like I said, the larger scale of, of what is it that we can be doing to be more impactful. Because if you if you uh, look at individual aspects, um, it's going to feel overwhelming. Uh, so we need to make sure that things are being adequately addressed uh, on a larger scale so we can get people help uh, in, in whatever capacity that, that means. It's 
it's certainly, uh, you know, very, 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 very desperate and sad. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It breaks my heart. It really does. It breaks my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Think of when you think of maybe, and, um, I love, I love hearing it. I kind of brought it up a little bit earlier, but I love hearing about people's influences, you know, like who, who are the, when you think of your life Anne, and you think of the, a few people that really influenced you and were, you know, great, um, model for you and brought, you know, brought wisdom to you. Maybe there's people that you knew personally, or maybe just from afar or people you read or whomever. But when you think of some of your, your big influences in your life, who do you think of? Yeah, I I do think uh, of particularly uh, a gentleman that I worked with um, in, during college uh, when I worked with, with Campfire, and I would drive a van and pick up teenage moms to take them to their GED classes. Um, and I think it was just really seeing the tr- for the really the first time to really see someone who was really walking the talk of what they were saying um, and the impact that that uh, his family could make in his neighborhood was so instrumental to to me and and seeing that that service that we do is uh, is long lasting can be generational shifting if we really do walk the talk that we're saying um, and that's for me again why I'm out here in politics right now is because I think that as a city we've had a lot of talk about. Uh, time to care for our most vulnerable, time to do this. We've been under a state of emergency since 2015 or, or talking about, you know, the root causes as to why somebody is involved uh, in committing crime. What can we do? But it really is time that we, we do it. Uh, and so that, that's, that was a family that I got the, the chance to really uh, get to know up close. And they, they would frequently go to Haiti uh, and, and serve in places like that uh, that you were just mentioning. And it's uh, really been impactful for me just um, as a college student. That was really important. Um, and now I'm going to say it to my kids. I mean, it really is just because seeing the world through their eyes and having to come up with plausible uh, descriptions or explanations as to why our city is is struggling like this when there, when there are so many people clearly in need and, and trying to make sure that they embrace a sense of responsibility and obligation and care, uh, but, but accountability, right? And that means that for themselves, they have to contribute and they have to, to, to do the work themselves, right? Like they, they, they can't just uh, stand by and, and not participate, whether it's for themselves or for their neighbor. Uh, that's, that really has been the pivotal part of, because it's completely changed my, my life's work, right? You know, I'm in politics when I never planned to be that way. And it really is purely because of being a mom and having to have conversations that I just never intended to have at young, young years. But my kids are 10 and 12 and they, sorry, my dog's barking now. They, <laughs> uh, they don't remember, they don't know a Seattle, but for its current condition. So if you've been here a long time and you don't know how long it's been, that, that tells you some indication there. Yeah. And I know we kind of briefly hit on this last time, but you know, you mentioned accountability. What does that look like, right? What does that look like? What does humane, compassionate accountability look like? Well, it's going to be different for, for different, different situations. I mean, that's the, that's the issue that I think everyone wants to have kind of a blanket uh, uh, approach or wants me to say a blanket approach, but that's not going to be the way we handle it. Uh, You know, our, uh, 
for me, accountability is really, we, we have a standard that we say within society that this is how we treat one another, and that's reflected in our laws. And, and as a lawyer, uh, that's, you know, that's what we, we follow. We uphold that, and, and those are the rules of, of the game, so to speak. Um, and accountability is for people who want to engage in criminal activity. It is for people who uh, have chosen an occupation in, in law enforcement. It's accountability is across the board. So we have safety and reform. Uh, they are not mutually exclusive. We don't do one without the other. We can have both, and we must have both. Um, and, and we are then setting people up for success to, I mean, it may not sound very, very political, but we are setting people up for success to become their best future selves. And if we can intervene at a place where they were not able to hold their own limit, uh, but we can either, whether it's supervision or, or intervention, or sometimes it is in custody because we need to be giving them a break from whatever it is, the influences that has caused them to create, uh, to choose a criminal behavior, we can, we can intervene uh, so that the limit then doesn't become death. Uh, for them or increasing in, in, in harm that they cause uh, to, to someone else uh, and then harming their own future at the same time. So accountability uh, has a, a lot of variations, um, and I only see it as beneficial for all of us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What is the, what's the campaign been like right now? I mean, obviously, how has it pivoted for you you know, before the primary and now after the primary, what is what what does the day to day look like for you as you go out and campaign? Are you doing a lot more in person door knocking or is it more, uh, you know, zooms or you're doing, uh, you know, trying to get more endorsements or what, what's it looking like? I, I love every single minute of it. Uh, so it really doesn't matter quite what it involves. <laughs> Um, I uh, love campaigning and talking to people and talking about complex social problems and listening to someone's nuance. I got to sit down uh, with a gentleman who was up front in the midst of CHOP for almost every single day last night for, for almost three hours and listening to him and talking to him and talking about making a space for grace for, you know, as you talk to someone who has a differing view from you. And it was just so beautiful because, um, you know, he's got some some probably mental trauma and, you know, uh, from, from what what went on last summer. And so to listen to it um, is so important and to make sure that I, I weave that into what I'm talking about uh, whenever I come across someone who may not have been able to have that encounter with him and then vice versa, sharing some, some story that he may not be able to have come across. So it, it is nonstop from, from get-go, from the early morning until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I often am uh, on the phone. I got the you know, kids to school, and then I'm on the phones, um, uh, maybe Zoom meetings, uh, just emails, phones, 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 then some more Zoom meetings, and then maybe some in-person uh, here and there. And then as soon as kids are bed, I'm, I'm reading uh, and, and responding to things that had been uh, backing up all day, but it's... It's uh, pretty relentless, but um, I'm tireless. Uh, I'm high energy, and I've found my own little ecosystem. So it's very sustainable for me to keep going. <laughs> How's fundraising going? It's dynamite. It really is good. People are very excited um, because I really do bring a different type of passion to local governance. I mean, it's, it really is time that we say we should be getting better customer service from our local government. This, it's not an unheard of thing to expect. 
Um, and and when I say that, I just mean that kind of generally we all should be, be expecting that as, as the public. When it comes in regards to me as, as the role of a lawyer, I mean, I want to bring a sense of professionalism to that department. Unlike my opponent, right? like I want to make sure we are we are giving top-notch legal advice to the people who are elected to create policy for our city uh, and, and really have this be a place that we all feel proud to, to, to call home, proud to work, proud to live in, proud to visit, because um, I love Seattle. It is beautiful. It's just like you said, today uh, it, it, we just live in a breathtaking, amazing place, uh, and, and we should be taking care of it. And let's have, let's have some fun here in the last few minutes here. Let's have a little bit of fun, because... That that's what it's about, right? I know. I wish I'd come down there. I just wasn't able to make it in time. I so wanted to come down in person again. <laughs> yeah. So, the Mariner, how you? What are, what are the chances that the Mariners can make the uh, the wild card this year? Give me your over under on the Mariners pulling out a playoff spot, first time since two thousand one. I mean, I want to be hopeful. I, that's just my my demeanor. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hope for the long shot. Because why not, right? Like it's just better to to think that way. I'm just going to do that for sure. So they're going to you're you're saying you're going on the record here. They're going to make it. <laughs> they're going to make the playoffs. I, I'm pulling for it, right? Because I think that when you when you set your intent and you and you surround yourself with hopefulness and you you just collaborate with others and say let's do it together, I think you can do a tremendous amount. Let's let's have it. Yes. Yeah. All right. I like it. I like it. Where where are the Seahawks going to end up this year? What they're one and one right now. What's their? Uh, what where are they going to end up? Oh my goodness! You're asking me to to go into into areas that are, you know, I'm basketball and soccer, and you're making me go into all the other areas. We, I think we're going to do very decently. I think we're going to do very decently. Again, I'm going to choose the hope card. Okay. <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch the Sounders game last night? They played in the um, the championship of that. What was it called? The leagues? Uh, yeah, the league cup. Did you watch that game? I only saw highlights because I was at, at an event uh, that was an outdoor event until uh, later. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a. I mean, we were up one nothing in the uh, second half there. And then it just kind of the, the, the wheels fall. All right. What's your fa- favorite place you've ever visited, Ann? Oh, well, my goodness. My favorite place ever. Uh, well, Angkor Wat in Cambodia was like one of my life's dreams. So that was it. But I'm going to give you two diving at the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Those are my two. I can't give you one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. What's your. You, so today um, is the. 30 years ago today, an album, here's a, here's a trivia question for you, Ann. An album was released, uh, a very notable album uh, from Seattle 30 years ago today. Do you know what that was? 30 years ago. I have to think, okay, how old I was then. <laughs> was I think I was actually living in Thailand, so I may not know. <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, you were in Thailand. So I, t- I may not have known what was going on in the U.S. at that point. Yeah, Nirvana put out Nevermind, their uh, album Nevermind, 30 years ago today, which wow. uh, I was I was actually a senior in high school at that time. Um, and Rolling Stone uh, recently said that was the number, that's the number six album of all time, right after the oh, Groove God. Surfers. Wow. Um, Does that one have In Bloom on it? 
my it does, son yes. can play the drums on that song. He knows how to play the drums to In Bloom. It's quite amazing. And yeah. Said, I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> What's one band you want to see in concert that you haven't seen in concert before? Oh, you can't say that last part that I haven't seen. Yeah, but we're, we're asking who haven't you seen before. That's... I know. Who haven't I seen? Boy, I mean, I'm not really fanatical about... I just like to go to, to local, anything small and local. Like, that was my favorite thing. To, when I uh, lived in Capitol Hill, I didn't have a car, and I could walk safely down to the crocodile, go to a show, right? Um, we need to be able to do that again. Boy, who I haven't seen. Yeah, you're really, really... I'd like to see Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's beautiful, right? That's not a band, but that... Um, I was a classical pianist uh, my first year of college, and so... Wow. Uh, played piano my whole life. So he, I would love to see him, yes, in person. Uh, that's great. So, you know, Coldplay is coming to... Going to play the first ever concert at Climate Pledge Arena next month. Are you going to Are you gonna go see that Coldplay show? Well, evidently now I'm going to try to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that is. I I looked up on Craigslist today. I actually signed up for the uh, pre-sale. I didn't get it because the demand was so high. Um, but demand is so high that you just can't. So I went on Craigslist to see how much people are selling tickets. Five hundred bucks each. Five, oh my goodness! Five hundred. Can you believe that? I kind of can. I mean, it's the first one, right? It's kind of a notoriety. It's a, it's a big name band. I mean. I'd like to see Elbow. I mean, I've seen them before. Oh. But do you know? Do you know Elbow? I do. I, I've seen Elbow. Do you know Elbow? I've seen Elbow I'm a couple so times, actually. <laughs> that makes me so excited, Tim, that you know Elbow. Yeah. No. Back in the day. Yeah. Absolutely. They're they were fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Are they, I don't even know. Are they still around? Are they still together? I don't even know. Uh, I haven't. Yeah. I feel like I, I mean, haven't yeah, heard about them for a while. Elbow. Yeah, they released an album not too long ago. I mean, when you're talking about soccer, right? Like talking about Man City and Man U, right? And they're from Manchester, although it's so that's fun. We're digressing. I know, I, I know. Music all day. <laughs> Absolutely, I could too. Question: Where are you going to have your election night party, Anne? Oh my goodness! You think I, I, I'm not thinking that far ahead for anything? I have to <laughs> come on, Thursday, you gotta right? you gotta start planning the celebration, right? Yeah, that's for my team. My team thinks that. I'm a, I'm the endurance athlete, right? Like, I know, remember the pain cave I told you about? The, the deep mental pain cave of CrossFit, right? Like, I'm just focused, focused, focused on the goal. And the, my team, my great, great team that's around me, we've got so many volunteers, a great team that are helping me campaign. They will plan that, and I have all faith in the world in them, but they will plan it. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Well, and we're we're excited for you. We're uh, we're in your corner. We can't wait to see um, how the next uh, month develops here. So uh, keep us posted. Good luck, and, and we'll have you on right after uh, you win, okay? Great. Thank you for the endorsement. I'm great. I want to say thanks to Seattle Building Trades endorsement, local iron workers endorsement. I'm just like racking them in. It's so much fun. And thank you for your personal one. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet, Ann. So grateful for you and, and keep up, keep it up and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Fantastic. Bye. As Ann Davison, candidate <laughs> for Seattle city attorney.